hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, it is I, Mark Hershon. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Once again, I'm not actually in Studio P, but instead in Studio F, which is my code for my Fiat 500, where I'm recording FP43. Happy holiday season to you. Hope yours is shaping up well. I know mine is. Don't forget that you can still pass the Succotash for Christmas in time if you get up to our Succotashery, either through our home site at SuccotashShow.com or by typing in Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H dot C-O slash Succotashery, S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-E-R-Y. We've got mugs, t-shirts, mouse pads, if anybody still uses mice, sweatshirts, and all sorts of other assorted stuff up there with the Succotash Show logo on it. I'm thinking about doing a Succotash uh, 2012 sweatshirt uh, that'll have the logo on the front and on the back, the titles of all the podcasts that we featured this year. Uh, of course, they'd be writ fairly small, but uh, everybody who's had their podcast played would be uh, memorialized on the back. So uh, thinking about doing that, if you like that idea, go ahead and uh, give me a yay up on uh, uh, Twitter, at Succotash Show. Retweet that, and uh, I'll see it. Uh, this episode, we have a special guest, Mr. Chris Bono, who will be joining me later in an interview. He's a comedian, an improviser, a musician, an artist, and a podcaster, a video podcaster, no less. And we will talk about his electric Bonoland show during the course of the interview. But in the meantime, we have got us some clips and a few other surprises to get to. So let's get How Did This Get Made is a consistently awesome bad movie podcast. Uh, I, <laughs> that didn't quite come out right. It's a great podcast about bad movies. Hosted by Paul Shear, who's been seen as a regular on TV's The League. And uh, he also did a guest spot uh, a few weeks ago on Modern Family on ABC. He's a funny guy. Along with Jason Mansukas and June Diane Raphael, they usually pluck awful or at least questionable movies randomly out of the timeline of movie history, a fairly recent movie history. But in episode 51, however, they break new ground when they tackle their first made-for-TV movie, Liz and Dick, the recent abomination starring the abomination known as Lindsay Lohan. There is the best part of this. They are these are two of the worst actors in in, in the world, and the, the best, the best. And I'm telling you, the best parts are when they are called upon to act within the scenes, the scenes from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf that so they are amazing. performing. Iconic performances. Should I play? I actually garbage. I actually yeah. I did a little compilation of Holy the Virginia shit. Woolf scenes. Can we play those Virginia Woolf scenes? Here we go. Oh. oh. I gave you the prize years ago, Martha. There isn't an abomination award you haven't watched. Oh, God. <laughs> what? You make me puke. Well, that wasn't what? a very nice thing to say. You're fantastic. Oh, thank you. Let's get the hell out of here. I like it here. You just don't like it when I get all of the attention, do you? I don't like it when you get all of the attention. Then why the hell did I marry you? I hope that was an empty bottle, George. You can't afford to waste good liquor. 
So they basically what couldn't even structure together. I tried to edit it to the point they would have one line and then cut back and to them because they could I, not carry I that have scene. Seen, I have seen at least five drag queens in my life that have given better readings of You Make Me Puke. I mean, like, that's <laughs> such a, like, an iconic line. And it's like, you can't nail that. Like, that's the thing. And it was just like... I thought it was just really bold to even try. To even, I, mean, I to know. even try, I thought, was they try so at, bold. Oh, they oh, did yeah. a, I mean, by <laughs> the way... They are trying. They are trying in this movie. And without any attempt at a fat suit, like without even Holy looking. Holy shit. Like, she, she never gains she never any ages. weight. And the big thing okay. about the movie is she, that she she's such a fatty. Fat. That no, the point no. is that she has let herself go and that she's fat. They even show newspaper headlines yes. about how fat she's become. <laughs> she is not fat. She never ages she's or gets fat. She's 24 years old. And by the way, when she picks up that Cleopatra newspaper, yes. that's just randomly in her, on her bed. Like, yeah. who laid that out for by her? By the way, all their news was given to them by these papers. They yeah. broke up they, over yeah, papers. They had to learn <laughs> papers. They didn't know. They had to read the papers. They I were will obsessed say this, though, and this is controversial, perhaps, but I would argue that Lin- Lindsay Lohan... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> what a laugh! Lindsay Lohan most convincingly pulls off the oldest Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, the, I agree. The visiting, oh, I agree. I visiting agree his grave, 50s, mid-50s year old Elizabeth Taylor is where looks Lindsay like Lohan looks the most convincing. Well, also that wig, <laughs> that wig needs an Emmy. That wig. That final wig is amazing. It's the final wig is incredible. By the, way, by the way, that wig is doing more acting than she does the entire movie. Because <laughs> yes, yes. she doesn't really even have any lines in it. She's just a lot of, a lot of poses, a lot of staring. Well, she does collapse. That way. Oh she does God. go in and get the news and collapse to the floor, <laughs> oh which we did have to watch three or four times. So good. Over again. And by the way, though, her mom hasn't aged a bit. Her no, mom? No. Her <laughs> mom Teresa in, the Russell. Of, Teresa Russell. in the course of 30 years. Yeah, does not. Yeah. And, and by the way, I did not know she was her mom until nope. I was I coming out. Until that scene, it took me a no, long I didn't know it was the mother until she said, "Mom, what's wrong?" And she goes, "It's Richard. <laughs> He's dead." And she was, and then Lindsay Lohan's like flops to the ground. Man, that was not so much a movie review as it was a, a meal for those guys. That's how did this get made? And um, I'm actually reviewing them this week up on splitsider.com as part of This Week in Comedy podcast. So check out my full review there. Uh, you can find How Did This Get Made up on earwolf.com. They're part of that crew and on iTunes. The Inverse Delirium podcast hails from Baltimore, or Smaltimore, as host Jeffrey Welchman proclaims it in a recent episode. He's put a lot of effort into his sound quality, which is always a delight to hear. He's also got a pretty pro-announcery voice, a little bit jealous, which you find a lot of, uh, which you find you don't find a lot of in podcasting. He also gets some amazing guests, as we hear in this clip, which is a sketch that Jeffrey wrote specifically to get comic impressionist Kevin Pollack to star as. Uh, a bunch of other people. This is the inverse delirium. Finally, listener Ernest Hemingway, remember that famous slogan from the old 1970s Orson Welles wine commercials? Something about selling no wine before its expiration date? Well, we got a hot tip that a certain wine label plans to revive that slogan. And thanks to our handy digital recorder, we now take you behind the scenes for some prime scenery chewing at a high-stakes audition for a new voice for that famous slogan. Okay, Palmasan Wine, new campaign, take one. First voice actor, please. Mr. Shatner. What Palmasan said all those long, long, long 
years ago is still true today. We will sell no wine before it's time. Very nice. Thank you, Captain. Uh, uh Mr. Shatner. Next. Mr. Alan Arkin. <clears throat> yes, um, we will sell no wine. Thank you very much. Before it's time. See, uh, was that good? Because it felt like I there was too much time between wine and before. Should we, should I tighten? I can do it again. No, that's fine. Thank you very much. Next. Mr. Christopher Walken. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm really wanting this part, I'll be honest with you, so I'd like to bring something special to it, you know. Wonderful, Chris, because we like you for this. We really do. Don't we, Nigel? Yeah. We just need a really good read to sell the sponsor on you. Just a formality, but we all have to play the game, right, Nigel? Uh. Right. So, Chris, we love you. They love you. Probably will. We'll probably love you. So let's really sell the product and knock them dead. <clears throat> what Parmesan said so many years ago is still the case. We will sell no wine before it's time. That's great, Chris. But could you give it a little more energy? <clears throat> what Parmesan said years ago is still the case. We'll sell no wine before it's time. Still need more. Still. Make it sparkle this time. What Parmesan said masses of years ago is still the case. We will sell no wine before it's time. Still need more. Give us your best. Crazy walking magic. Hi. What Parmesan said years ago is still the case. We will sell no wine before it's time. Oh, it's so close, Chris. I swear. Guys, are you hearing this? Perfect! That's the one! Enter the Inverse Delirium universe at uh, inversedelirium.com or on iTunes. Chicago Boys Al Larcher and Clark Lawrenson host a sports and comedy-based podcast called, rightly enough, Larcher and Lawrenson. They're also part of a comedy troupe in Chi-Town called Comedy Accident, and they were visited by a couple of guys from their group here in this episode from November 28th. Podcast! Podcast, the larger lines and sports podcast, podcast, podcast. All right, folks. The larger lines and sports podcast. It's podcast, Wednesday night at eight thirty. Podcast. We're coming at you live from the heart of Chicago, podcast, Illinois, podcast, in the United podcast, States of America. Podcast. Yes. Looney Ben. The larger lines and sports. We are podcast, the larger podcast, and Lawrence Sports Show. Podcast. I'm going to hand it over to my friend, the man, the myth, the legendary, Alfred Ferdinand Larcher III. Well, thank you, everybody. It's great to be back with another exciting episode of the Larcher and Lawrenson Sports Show. We have a phone number to call. It's 347-945-6131. We'll be talking about a lot of things today, including um, football. Yes. Including um, baseball. Yes. Uh, hockey. Oh. Yes. Badminton, no badminton. WNBA. Uh, just a little bit. And we're going to spend some time on the UFC. Right. Yeah. One of my every time. MMA. One of my favorite uh, segments is when we have Cliff come out here and, yeah. he, and he talks about these things. Our like, MMA guy, Cliff Hagerman, is with us tonight. And also uh, brought along uh, is his, uh, his pal, our, our friend, uh, Cole Miller. 
from American Top Team. All right. Yeah. Uh, UFC fighter Cole Miller. He'll be on the show very shortly. But uh, we do have our guys from Comedy Accident here. Uh, we had our first show in a long time just a couple weeks back uh, over at the Underground. Comedy Accident at the Underground. Casey is here with us. Eric is here with us as well. Hey, how's it going? Hey, um, just real quick. Do I have time to do a song for your show? Because he did one. <laughs> no, that, that's... Oh, that's it? Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, because I had that's a good one. I had a doozy. What do you, what do you got? You gotta... Maybe we'll wait till next Wednesday. You really? Because I was now excited. Now I'm ready for a song. Yeah. It's more they, of an instrumental. You, you, you can do one tonight. Like, you have about 10 seconds to prepare. Well, you're kind of shining. But oh, not next week. All the work I put in it's that true. song. It's true. I thought you produced it for Eric. Mine's more of an instrumental song. I guess I'll let Eric have his vocal. A minstrel here. song? Instrumental. Oh. Right. Um, you, you get back to us in two weeks with a demo of it uh, on cassette tape. And then we'll uh, we'll take a listen. We just uh, we just got some we'll breaking news in the uh, Larcher and Lawrence and, uh, news desk here. It seems like uh, Rajon Rondo um, was thrown out of a, a basketball game. Him and Chris Humphreys um, they were all ejected after uh, and some guy named Gerald Wallace. That was in my song. And right. a fight broke out and it ended up in the stands. I hate so, that Humphreys. This guy. happened here tonight. Yeah, yeah. This is just wow, breaking. Break. It's just in. It's just into my little headpiece. I hate I'm that impressed. Humphreys guy because what he did to Kim. Well, I guess Humphrey fouled Garnett, and it started a ruckus, an uproar. People got hurt. There's possibly some people dead. It's uh, oh. some very serious stuff going on right now. <laughs> the I don't NBA. like Rondo because he looks like a little lizard. He like a lizard. He's a lizard face. Yeah, but he I looks don't... like he makes like a really good like stroganoff. Probably beef. Yeah. Or yeah. otherwise. Well, maybe chicken. We'll say chicken. I've never had a chicken stroganoff. Do they make chicken stroganoff? Well, I could see Rondo making one. I see Rondo making a lot of mistakes. So, so how do you guys feel about the Bears? Uh, oh, my goodness. They bounced back. Yep. Always Those look great about the Bears. Are we back uh, yep. Are we back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, as long as the Packers keep playing the Giants. Honestly, do you really think we can make the Super Bowl? I think once we get in the playoffs, which we will, let's focus on that. Mm-hmm. One game at a time. Play postseason is new season, if you ask me. If we do not make the playoffs, do um, do we fire Lovey? If he, uh, I say we fire Virginia. I, you know I, what that would mean, though. Fire Virginia. Huh. You know what that would mean. What? It would kill that poor old woman. <laughs> it would put her in a grave. How old is Virginia now? One hundred and seventy. Eighties, late eighties. Lady, sh- I thought she was a vampire. I thought it's like she's two, three hundred years old. And no well, one you should us. see. There's a photo of her that's young and beautiful, and they're gonna switch soon. Huh? There's in the McCaskey Mansion. There's this beautiful young photo of Virginia, and soon they'll switch, and she'll become young again. Do you think, like, in her prime? I mean, seriously, here, in her prime, on a scale from one to ten, what do you think Virginia McCaskey was? You know, like a twenty-year-old, hot, uh, young, eight, solid eight. I mean, she, her family owned a football team. So she's definitely. I mean, five. George hated her choice and husband, so I, I'd go with him. She probably was not the smartest. But see, McCaskey's a lot like Dorian Gray. If she sees yeah. the old photo of herself, she'll just wither up and come that. Because George area. George Hellis was her father, right? Yeah, and he hated. He hated her. He, he with no, a passion. He, no, well, he oh, hated. No? He hated her choice and husband. Oh, the the boo boo. Yeah. Uh, the McCaskey. Yeah, the McCaskey. Yeah, well, he didn't, yeah. like, he didn't like those uh, McBastards, as he would say. I think. Yeah. McBastards. Yeah, so. I'm Irish, so I can say that. Okay. As long but, as that's cleared up, because we don't want to. And any... I'm, also, I'm also part goomp like he was Greek, so. Well, really? Yeah, so Opa. I can say both of Find more up at blogtalkradio slash larcherandlawrenson.com and on iTunes. Another comedy podcast in the vein of movie reviews, uh, as was our first. 
Uh, this is also news about films, is the Ragtime Podcast starring Schwood and Suds. I know that Schwood is actually Chris Sherwood, but I have no intel at all on the identity of Suds. Doesn't matter. Here's a clip from their episode 15, just in time for the holidays. It's <laughs> it's Ragtime's gift guide for celebrities. Uh, Suds, before we get into It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you have a, a little special segment where we're going to be giving some ragtime gifts to celebrities. Yes, indeed. I do have a very special thing to share with all of our listeners this year. It is our Ragtime 2012 Celebrity Gift Guide. Okay, right. now we, we know that we don't know any of these people, of course, right? Like, we're not friends with any celebrity, Schwood, but... Zay is. Well, Zay I'm is friends I'm, with... I'm yeah. only friends with celebrities. <clears throat> but I do this to, to connect with the little Okay. Movie. He's friends with the surfer guy from that George Clooney oh, movie. Oh, so, yeah, so he's well-connected. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking... No, that totally makes Look, sense. Larry uh, Hamilton and I are hardly Oh, buddies. nice. Well, we're, <laughs> we're certain <laughs> that all these, all these celebrities obviously have people who buy them presents, or at least I'm assuming that they do. Um, all right, fuck, I hope they do. So we're gonna give we're gonna give some recommendations to all the people who are buying gifts for celebrity friends this year. Here we go. Like we know Lindsay Lohan is still having her troubles getting her life back on track. So we assembled a little trio of self help literature from the New York Times bestseller list. Comes vaginal rejuvenation for dummies. It's always a winner. Uh, Making the most of prison rape by Martha Stewart. She's gonna need that because she's going back to jail. And of course, how to complete your transsexual surgery on a D list budget by Kathy Griffin. <laughs> That's yeah. actually a very interesting read. You guys should check that one out. Page 50 Can't has just some... just get her a new face? I honestly, now that they're doing the face transplant surgery for, like, victims of monkey attacks, I'm really hoping it's only a matter of time before Lindsay Lohan can just have her entire face removed and have a new one put on, so... I was saying yeah. it was just a matter of time until she got attacked by a monkey. Oh, shit. Well, we could arrange that. I know a guy That'd with a monkey. Great. Kathy Griffin looks Well, like for the for part the part. friends of uh, K-pop rap sensation Psy, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard uh, Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. We recommend a copy of the critically acclaimed documentary film The 16th Minute, which chronicles the stories of numerous flash-in-the-pan pop artists like Montel Jordan, Chumbawamba, and, of course, Lou Bega. I'm sure you guys remember all three of those, or maybe you don't. That would <laughs> make little bit sense. of Monica <laughs> for I'm the, surprised uh, you didn't throw right said Fred into the mix. Uh, you know, that's so fucking hilarious. I all, he, dude, Chumbawamba replaced Right Said Fred. I swear to God. That's hilarious that you said that, Schwood. Uh, Chumbawamba's like the soundtrack <laughs> to my life, dude. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I get knocked down, but I get up again, and then I get knocked down again, but then I get back up. I drink a lager drink. And then I get I have to take a piss, I use the kitchen sink. For the friends of Kanye West, we recommend a prescription for industrial strength Valtrex to control the daily outbreak of herpes that typically follow fucking Kim Kardashian. Just a hot tip from... From your old friend Aaron or Suds. For the have you seen? Have you actually seen pictures of her big fat ass? It's a great like, ass. I'm not gonna. It's not a great. It is ass. a great. It's ass. a big fat fucking ass. No, it's, it's awesome. not attractive. It's fucking at all. awesome. I I don't want to. How dare you make me defend Kim Kardashian on any front? But the one thing she has is tits and ass. Um, and that's all she should be known for, unfortunately. But yeah, I think her ass her is phenomenal. Her ass is gross. Dude, her ass. You're not an ass guy, though. You don't like big asses. So that you're completely. But even if I did like so, big yeah, asses, no, I, like, there's see, a big difference between like a Beyonce big ass and like a Kardashian I'm big saying, ass. I'm going to 100% agree. Beyonce has a you, big ass. Kardashian has a fat ass. I like a difference. I, 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 sometimes fat asses are not good. Kardashian's ass is fucking great. 
I disagree. There's cottage cheese there, and it, it, Beyonce has a bubble, dude. She just no. Got Beyonce's like a got a great ass too. But dude, Jennifer Lopez. There's all kinds of girls that have really nice asses. But we're getting sidetracked. Listen, for <laughs> Gerard the, Butler. Oh, she's got, he's got a phenomenal ass. This <laughs> is my shape. ass. <laughs> finally, finally, our final recommendation. Since we all know Chris Brown and Rihanna are getting back together, despite common sense. For the, They're a lovely couple. For the friends of Chris Brown, we recommend getting him a big sack of oranges so he can beat the shit out of Rihanna without leaving any marks. Sweet yeah. Valencia oranges? Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> no bruises, Chris. Learn, little orange learn zest on your, the side. <laughs> learn from your past mistakes and don't leave any photographic evidence, for Christ's sake. It's not that hard. Sack of oranges. Am, am I? Am I? She's in the bottom half of intelligence, right? She doesn't seem like a earlier. smart person, but, you know, her outstanding performance in Battleship made me second-guess that assessment, so I'm not quite sure. She's either a genius or she's a moron, but there's no middle ground. (laughs) There you go. Some stocking stuffers for your favorite celebs. Uh, Find more of that stuff at ragtimepodcast.com and on iTunes. The Succotash gets a lot of love and support from Adam Barker, the brains behind the Oddcast podcast in the UK, which is also part of the Pod Gods Network. Adam and his crew did a very special Christmas episode, which a clip from can only partially do justice to. It's basically their version of a Christmas carol where Adam is taken to visit the past, present, and future of his own podcast. I always think, though, like, when someone gives me a card now, I'm not being ungrateful, but I just think, what's the point? If there's no money in it, if you're not using it as an envelope to put or something yeah. to put money in, yeah. why are you giving me a card? Just save because save save the paper yeah. and give me other bit of paper with five pounds on it. I think. Or save you the you know the deflation of game being given a card and you know for them for them twenty seconds you're looking at it like what's inside it. You open it, there's nothing inside. Save me that disappointment. Just give me a post-it note. It says happy <laughs> birthday. Send me a tweet. I can stick that. <laughs> Send me an wall. email. Yeah. I can I can print it out. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Send me a tweet. Yeah, Send me a picture on Instagram of you holding up a picture. Yeah. I'll be happy with that. A Facebook message. I can then take a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me a card with no money. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not getting a card. <laughs> I think that I haven't got any cards much for the last good couple of years. No. Because, probably because of the look at my face. Yeah. Would they give it to me? It's not. I don't. I you like, told about Adam. Yeah, don't give him a fucking card. I've got loads of cards. I don't give Adam one. Don't treat me like a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> don't mug me off. Yeah, for those <laughs> of you that don't know, unlucky. <laughs> it's like when like, your workmates at work go around and give everyone cards and you think, wait, give me a card. Yeah, you own money in it. That's which one they've made them. We've got their kids to make them. <sighs> well, that's the excuse they use. We've got their kids to write it. <laughs> Come on, give the kid homework. Let him do his homework and learn how to write there. I don't see some scruffy writing over my card. Doesn't even say Merry Christmas. It's just a handprint. I've got a fucking handprint on the card. I don't say Happy Christmas. It just says, look, my kid's messy. And he put his stamp on your fucking card. My kid's 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his face. He <laughs> just, just dips his face in a bit of paint. In paint and on your card. <laughs> That is permanent ink as well. He's been walking around for three weeks. Green face. Green face. Like the Hulk. Yeah. But he's actually angry. 
So stop me if I'm out of line here. Well, actually don't. But uh, this podcast is about sport. But you guys spend a lot of time talking about anything but sport. I'm guessing you guys haven't got a clue really about anything to do with sport, right? Well, kind of, but uh, not really. What do you mean kind of, but not really? Do you know how to string a sentence together? Yeah, of course I do. So, this is a sporty podcast. But did, did you do that because you realised Billy didn't know anything about anything else? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. This is a bit like the original podcast. I like this dynamic. You guys have good chemistry. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, this this show has kind of found its feet. And I read by next year, the show will be more consistent. I have lots more ideas for this show. Oh, Merry Christmas, Adam and the crew from Oddcast Podcast. It turns out that the term Oddcast comes up a lot when you search for it on iTunes. I found at least 21 podcasts using Oddcast in their title. So in order to find the genuine Oddcast podcast, shop carefully or just go to oddpoduk.wordpress.com, iTunes, or Stitcher and look around for those guys. Happy holidays. If you caught my interview with Hal Sparks in episode 41, you heard me mention the guy I'm about to interview now, Chris Bono. He works regularly as Hal's feature act around the country. I got to know Chris through Improv in L.A. We've known each other for, I don't know, about 15 years or so. He's also a musician, an actor, a painter. All he has got to figure out is how to do them all and focus at the same time. You can catch his personal schisms on camera by clicking over to episode 8 of Electric Bonoland, his video podcast. And it's in that episode that he interviews himself. Today, on a very special episode, we're going to go deep inside Electric Bonoland. And who better to talk to than Mr. Electric Bonoland, Chris Bono. Chris, thanks very much for coming today. Good to see you. What is this? Synergy. What is your process? Speculative thought. Math. Dancing. What goes on in your head? I enjoy science. I like when people make things that explode or that can turn into food. Who is Chris Bono? You know, when I was a child, I used to trim my own toenails, and that's before the, the melanin, the melatonin, the solidified materials were there. So to rip them out by accident, it would hurt. <laughs> Yes, the courageous questions, Chris. A lot of watchers have written in and asked if Chris has broken something in his head. All right, so there's a taste of Chris Bonner. Now, I'm going to play the first third of our interview, which happened over two months ago in San Francisco. Then we're going to do some tweet sack business, some other stuff, and then play the remainder of the interview that I just completed with Chris a few days ago via Skype from Los Angeles. All right, I'm here out, sort of outside Yoshi's jazz room. Yes. With Chris Bono. Hello. Uh, Chris, we have featured before on Succotash. Thank you so very much. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he uh, he has a podcast slash video show slash YouTube phenomenon. Oh, is it called Electric Bono Land? Yes. And you uh, have moved into episode eight. Eight. Yes, including which... a pre-episode which. 
could have actually been the first one. It's a mystery. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm sorry, you asked me to take a look at it, uh, the latest one, but uh, I was babysitting my oh, grandchild so today, it. so I've not seen it. Okay. But, uh, I'm very familiar with Chris. We've known each other for, it's got to be 15 years. At least. We have done improv together. Uh, we have had sex together. No, not together, but we both have shared a woman. We both had sex. Oh no! Okay. On separate occasions. On separate occasions with different people. With different people that didn't know one another. That's right. That's Other than right. that, it's just <laughs> the next, the close nexus thing. Next closest thing to being there. It's true. Uh, Chris is up from uh, Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, he made the drive today. I did the drive this morning. He's already done a show. Yes. And he's doing a second show in just a little mm. while. So we've got just a little bit of time to uh, do a little interview for the show. And um, Chris, first of all, how is uh, Electric Bonoland going? I mean, you it's have... It's going well. It's hard to tell with just eight episodes, but what's the response been like? Uh, it's been it's been great. Um, Kelly Carlin thinks that it's... Uh, she calls it a Dada-esque comedy. If you want to see Dada, there it is, which is great. And she told me that she, it was one of the few things on the web that she would want to show her father. Oh, and, nice. Uh, uh, and the reason being... Just your luck. And the reason being... Because it's so fucked up. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I was hoping it would be so hysterically funny, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm grateful. Um, it's going well. I mean, it's been. An, it, I still feel like it's a comedy. It's a, a comedy web exper, experimental comedy show. Uh huh. You know, because I'm getting my I'm getting my legs. Every on the podcast web. kind of is you an know? experimental comedy it is. show. It's like I tell you, our it there and see, what, see what sticks. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But the most recent one, we got um, about a hundred hits. A day for um, three days in a row. Oh, excellent! Which is fast compared to the other ones. Yeah, it's very good. So, keep my fingers crossed that more people see it. Excellent. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about how you got to this stage of your life. Uh, you've been a stand-up, pre-diabetic. What are you saying? Oh, <laughs> you've been an uh. improv <laughs> artist. Uh, you're a musician. Yeah. Um, you're an actor. I am. And it all started in Texas. It started in Texas in Austin. Uh, that's where I really cut my teeth. Back in the 80s, when the comedy boom was going on, I mean, I, I performed in a comedy club doing improv like we did at the Improv in Melrose, yeah. um, doing improvisation at the Comedy Workshop, which was the home to Bill Hicks and right. Sam Kinison and all those guys. The Houston one was, and they showed up at the Austin one. But we would, uh, I was in a group called the Hilarions that would perform after the main show for two drunks. Nice. Three drunks, you know, after Emo Phillips went up, or Ju <laughs> after Judy Tenuta went up, or Rick Overton. That's how I met Rick. So an audience hot for improv. Hot for please get the fuck <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> All right, we're good. Just take a nap, and we'll continue. We, just, we only have another 35 minutes of crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where that started. And then I just had to explore everything, because I'd meet guys that are like, oh, man, I just made 150 bucks. Uh, what? Yeah, I just did like 20 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, and like a tractor pull, or whatever, you know, right. in Austin. So I just dove in, and it stayed with it, performed with Esther's Follies, which is a vaude, almost like a vaudeville troupe, where, you know, they did parodies of, of uh, television and Broadway stuff, and so I had to sing and dance, of all things, some choreograph, choreography. Where had Very you, uh, what sort of, um, sort of... Pre-comedy training had you had? Were you in hysterical college, dad? Or? My dad was like a real funny okay. guy with with like I just I remember being like eleven or so, um, running to one of the, the parties that my parents went to, 
and there was a group of adults standing around each other I was looking up to hearing, Joe's here, Joe Bono, Joe Bono's here, are you Joe Bono? And my dad walked life up. Life of the party, professional, yeah, exactly. life, amateur life of the party. Walked up with a short glass with the ice in it, I heard, you know, I heard it, I still hear it in my head with the chinkle, 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 hey, ba -da -ba -da -da -da. and then burst of laughter and it just kept going on. Sort of a little Bob Hope, a little Dean Martin. Hey, everybody, what's going on? <laughs> How'd y'all get in my room? <laughs> but, um, and then he played, you know, I had Carlin, uh, uh, Operation Fool, and, uh, uh, a number of his other uh, his other albums, as well as like Pryor and Robin Williams. My dad played stuff all the time. We always watch mm -hmm. a Tonight Show. My mom to this day uh, will call me and say, "I just want to let you know, Don Rickles is on." Really? Oh yeah. Really. That's great. <laughs> so I had that, you know, going in. I had no idea to actually pursue it. That's but. great. Now, what what had, what were you going to be when you grew up? Was there a, a different life plan at one point? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I think I. I was always imaginative. I mean, I remember reading a, a Captain Marvel comic book with a friend and doing a radio play of it and taping it. We thought we were hysterical and brilliant. Uh, and um, so, I mean, I was always interested in that stuff, but I think I really didn't realize or think that it could happen, that it was real, you know? Like, well, I knew, I just, there was so distant between I want to do it to that. So I just stuck to, I mean, I actually went to college in the University of Houston to be an accountant. Oh, because, really? Okay. like, from other people's advice. Um, then I broke up with a girl while I was in there and said, fuck it, I'm going to go to Austin, where all my friends are, and be an artist, because I've been drawing since I was two. Might as well go so with these something were, I'm comfortable these with. weren't friends that were accountants? No, they were all smart and unusual <laughs> and creatives. And one of them was a law student, and Paul Bagala was at our house a number of times. You know, in those days, just like a real interesting, vibrant crowd, you know. Where did you pick up uh, the guitar and your music uh, ability? Um, my dad's brother was in a band called the Sixpence, which later became the Fun and Games Commission. And uh, yeah, can you still license that name from them? Yeah, that would I be great so. to have. They have actually uh, a song that's solid on the top hundred Billboard. Really? Called uh, um, "The Grooviest Girl in the World," I think. Is oh, that. nice. Okay. Um, yeah, and he played bass, and they played in our living room, and we loved the Beatles. My dad was into music, so we had Motown and. Everything coming in, so I wanted to, you know, and I took piano lessons, so I, I wanted to take guitar too, because you know I know that when you start, it's easier to, to start old. So I've been playing since I was 14. Oh wow, okay, yeah. great. So that has served you well. It uh, has served I you have well. seen you. I mean, you've accompany you accompany on improv shows. You back people up. You. I got to play with Gary Shapiro and Rick Overton. That's right. And doing a, a couple of songs. Which yeah, was nice. That's very cool. That was new for me, playing lead acoustic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the music shows up in but electric you, and you all, and you improvise musically, which is not easy to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, there it, it's a it's definitely a uh, a skill. Uh, Gary Anthony Williams improvises musically. Brilliant. And you work with Gary. Danny Siegel as well. I don't know if you know her. Yes. She's brilliant. Yeah, fast. absolutely. So I mean, it's a really kind of um, narrow slice of the comedy realm, and it's uh, an interesting. Part I, lo of the I lucked out, Mark. I had. Um, I, I left that vaudeville troupe and started another group with my friend Angela Davis. That's her name. And uh, she, she brought me Tell over Tell her we're there. all behind her, yes, by the way. Yes, we're all behind we, we know things went bad, but... It's, things go south. <laughs> um, and I might have to go. Oh. Was that a jazz audience or Hal's audience? Uh, I can't. I'm not sure. Um, nonetheless, but uh, I'm on call to go say thank oh. you, good night. But I'll tell you, um, we, we we closed out our show with an improvised musical, and, and I, with this other improv group, and we performed four to five nights a week 
for about a thousand shows, like wow. five years. Now, uh, we can pick up our interview after I get done with Hal if you want. Sure. If you want to be in the room to get yeah, up whatever there. Works. Whatever works. Whatever works. I'm going to go check. I probably should go check it out. Okay. Um, no hurries, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can pick us up anytime. Show business. So. Well, that's part of the job. I'm still featuring right now. Uh, I'm going to do my own show in two weeks in, in uh, L.A. at the Cafe Muse, our Muse on 8th. Oh, excellent. We're on the, kind of the last act. I'm not saying headliner yet because I don't have the last. I haven't act. tried an hour yet, but nonetheless. All right, we'll get in there. Don't right. hold you up. We will get back to our interview with Chris Bono after uh, a little bit of business and a little bit of fun. Uh, let's get into the tweet sack. Uh, for those of you who are new to Succotash, TweetSack is uh, our excuse for a mailbag because nobody sends us any email. Well, occasionally we will get um, email from uh, those great comedy podcasters who want to get a clip on the show and don't want to wait for me to get around to finding their show. Uh, they can send me a clip. Uh, uh, three to five minutes, an MP3 would be great. Uh, and you can just send it to clips at succotashshow.com. We will harvest those and feature them on the show. Anyway, into the tweet sack we go. We heard from uh, com at Combat Radio, who thanked us for helping to get the word out about their second annual Christmas breakfast for homeless children last weekend. That was in Los Angeles, and Ethan says it went very well. So happy to help you guys out. At Clutch underscore 43 pointed out, do I have to say the at anymore? If you know these are Twitter handles, it is the tweet sack after all, so I'll, I'll drop that. Um, anyway, uh, Clutch underscore 43 pointed out that Succotash promotes other people's sacks. Sacks? Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but Clutch 43 is replaying us over at CWERradio.com, so I will let him say whatever he wants. Be sure to check out the other shows at the Clutch and Wiggle Entertainment Radio. Uh, if you will. That's, again, CWERradio.com. Uh, BFGF Pod Show says, Howdy, and would like us to check out their show. Will do. Or, as I said, you guys can send along your own three- to five-minute clip to clips at succotashshow.com, and I'll just stick it up there. Um, anyway, so uh, do that, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, BFGF Pod Show. Gavin's Pissed Off from the Pissed Off Man Show was the first to point out that Succotash jumped up to number 19 on last week's most shared list uh, on Stitcher Smart Radio. That was fantastic, and that is mostly thanks to it having been International Succotash Day on December 4th, uh, which means another big thanks to Jabs over at the D-Head Factor podcast because he kicked that whole thing off, and it really did juice our numbers last week. So uh, thanks, uh, Gavin, for pointing that out. Thanks, Jabs, for making it happen. And thank all you uh, fellow podcasters who are instrumental and you other listeners who helped to get my numbers up. So that was fantastic. And we also got a tweet from uh, King underscore Meanie, a sketch group out of Sheffield, England, who says their radio series is recording right now. Hopefully that will be made into a podcast and hopefully we can play a bite for you. Good luck, King Meanie. And finally, I had to tell uh, Crobama that I would get a clip from his show, Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch. Uh, I, I mean, I had told him that I would get a clip on this episode. Uh, and uh, we're out of room. I'm just jam-packed this show. So I promised Darren next episode for sure, uh, unless, of course, I forget. Let's get back to the interview. Oh, no, we're not going to get to do that. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's um, actually hear from some friends of ours. Uh, the Bonanobu podcast out of England has only had about a half a dozen episodes uh, out there. One of the hosts, I'm not sure if it's Bon 
or oboe, wants to wait to get us a proper clip until they've got a few more epis under their belt. So I appreciate that. And in lieu of that, and in the spirit of the season, here's a holiday greeting from the Bon and Oboe Show. Ho, ho, ho. Hello, Bon. Hello, Oboe. Ho, what the hell are you wearing? What, this? Yes. This is my... My Santa outfit. Right, well, where did you get one that size? Well, From the children's section in the fancy dress shop. My elf. Shouldn't you really be wearing an elf costume? No, I wanted to wear a Santa yep. outfit. It's but, Christmas. I wanted to be Santa. Yes, but look at you. What? You're not big enough to wear a Santa outfit. Well, I can... You know you're only destined to play elves, gnomes and dwarves. Well, and I, maybe the occasional Ewok. I thought this year... What? I would try and be different and I would be Father Christmas because right. every year you get me to be Santa's little helper. Yeah, and you even screw that up. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Remember last year? Oh, don't remind me. How many stitches did that little boy need? Um, six, I think. But it was his fault. How could it have been his fault? He was three. Well, he shouldn't have been pulling on my baubles. And remember the year before last? What? That little girl? Oh, um, Was yeah. there really any need to poke her in the eye? Well, she was looking at me funny. Well, of course she's going to look at you. You were an elf. Yeah, well, I say she had it coming. Well, that's why you've got a lifetime ban in all department stores. Yeah, well, that was a bit harsh, to be honest. You just can't be trusted. So how do you think you're going to cope being Father Christmas? <sighs> I don't know. I just thought I'd try it. Well, you can't. You right. just look ridiculous. Okay. So anyway, should we... Uh... Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to wish everyone out there in podcast land... A happy Christmas and a Merry New Year. Indeed, from uh, both of us here at the Bonanobo Show. Yes, and we hope you all get ridiculously drunk, because I know I will be. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Happy New Year! Now go and take that off. Okay, okay. Finding Bon and Oboe is a little confusing, mostly because sometimes it's B-O-N-N-A-N-D-O-B-O, but occasionally, like for their Podomatic website, it's B-O-N-N-O-B-O dot Podmatic, Podomatic, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C dot com. Or look for them on iTunes if you can. But uh, guys, you got to get your spelling consistent or people are not going to find you. Uh, but thank you for the Christmas greeting. We look forward to playing a clip from you in the future from our friend of Succotash, comedy sci-fi musician John Anilio, also host of podcasting's Functional Nerds show, comes a new holiday EP called Seasons Geekings. <laughs> Here's a cut. I particularly like Batman Smells a Rebuttal. It's Christmas Eve at the Hall of Justice And Aquaman is wearing a Santa cap Superman is mixing up the eggnog And Wonder Woman is sitting on his lap The Hawkman is putting the star on the tree The Boy Wonder seems to be out of town The Green Arrow is hanging the stocking Cape Crusader is nowhere to be found Cause every year some children
Drunk on whiskey, diet coke. The green lantern comes and dames its power. Green creates a green guitar and then begins to sing. But I don't think that Batman smells when he rings his bell. If you get up to johnanelio.com, that's J-O-H-N-A-N-E-A-L-I-O.com, you can download the whole Seasons Geekings EP for free. Merry Hanukkah, bitches. You'll find the link on the blog posting for this show up at suckatashow.com. Also, links for all the shows that we clip from, uh, you will find that there. And occasionally, if I have time, I'll include as many uh, links to people's Twitter accounts as possible. So you can find uh, the fine folks that host a lot of these clips there. Okay, what I have up next isn't a podcast clip, but it is funny as hell to me. If you have caught the Real Actors Read Yelp series on YouTube, uh, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, you got to check it out. They're the brainchild of Joe Plummer, who runs a small creative agency in Manhattan called Got a Kid to Feed Productions. And this one, number 11, is creepily good with Darren Goldstein. Uh, you may have seen him on Damages and Limitless. Uh, reading a five-star Yelp review for a place called Schnitzel Queen. I heard there was a dead guy found in a crawl space on Parliament Street. But two or three blocks away from that dead guy is a delightful little place called the Schnitzel Queen. I ordered a regular schnitzel, and it tasted amazing. My co-workers thought so as well. And I've got to say, it took 46 minutes to completely finish the meal. Massive meat portions. I spent $5 on this phenomenon. The people are always very friendly, and the German lady has unbelievably good skin. The man is very handsome as well. Why is this information crucial? Well, have you ever been to a street meat vendor who looks like he doesn't give a damn about his own life? All greased up, disheveled, and unkempt? He doesn't give a damn about your hot dog. These German folks care, they love it, and I love them. The meat, from what I understand, is a tenderized chicken breast. 
They must get these chickens from the Playboy Mansion, because the breasts are gigantic. I'm just glad they removed the nipples. Anyway, five stars. All right, that's, uh, <laughs> again, that's from Real Actors Read Yelp reviews over on YouTube. Uh, it's got a little bit more dimension when you get to see the visuals, but I've got a special link for uh, for that on uh, on Yelp since it's usually a pr or on uh, YouTube since those are pretty long. Uh, just type in Hirsch H E R S H dot C O slash Yelp Read Eleven Yelp Read Eleven all lowercase there. Let's get back to my interview with Chris Bono. I wanted to have a break between the two parts, just like he and I had a little time space continuum hang up for two months during the interview. So let's uh, let's get back with Chris. So you uh, you worked with the improv group, and then um, when did you actually make the move to Los Angeles? I, I moved to L.A. in uh, 92. Um, and, you know, I didn't give her credit, um, but a friend of mine who was in the group moved there first. Um, and you know how sometimes, like, with an impression, if someone does an impression, they kind of break the code, and then you're like, oh, that's how you do Shatner, or, you know... Uh, I saw that she had moved and it kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, you, I could move. Yeah. Because for years, it was awesome being at the improv. Uh, I mean, being, you know, doing improv and then having all these comics come through because you'd get feedback, you know, like somebody from L.A. would come up and go like, oh, you got to go to L.A. I mean, you're, you're the perfect age right now for the stuff that they're, you know, hiring on. It's like, <laughs> I have a house and a cat. <laughs> and, uh, uh, where is it? What does it look like? How do you drive? You know that shit. So, <laughs> so who was this uh, mysterious code breaker? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was Angela. It was Angela Davis. That, oh, yeah. That is that was her name. You remember Angela? You you had actually mentioned her uh, just a few minutes ago. Well, of course, a month and a half, two months ago, I mentioned her a minute ago. <laughs> uh, um, but anyway, so she was the but, one who yeah, uh, she moved. She said, "Screw this! I've been in Austin long enough." And she she had a great eye and ear for comedy. She was she had no pretense when it came to talking to any comics that came through so no matter what your status was as a as a comedian you know nationally she would look at them and be like yeah uh-huh and then they became best friends or good friends so uh she was very comfortable with show business and okay i felt very good and comfortable with being show business in a town with a lot of mexican food restaurants <laughs> <laughs> but um but i got over that uh you know initial reservation finally because i just felt like if I didn't move, you know, if I didn't move now, I would be in Austin for another 10 years. It's such a seductive city in that regard. It's, you know, it's got everything that you want there. The rent was reasonable. I actually had a house that I paid. It was a two-bedroom house. One bedroom was uh, an art studio office because it was so huge. Yeah. Um, and it was only $350 a month. Wow. And I had a yard. I could walk out, out <laughs> to the woods. It was beautiful. So, you know, I um, I packed packed it up and moved to Beverly. You know, yeah. And then I just talked to a friend last night who uh, moved in, uh, to Nashville and then came back like four or five years later, just recently, in fact. Uh, and I, we both compared notes about landing in L.A. I, I think I couch surfed and house surfed 
for at least six months, at least, wow. you know, it, you just, it, but I, I really was exhilarated when I moved here. Like it really felt like, yeah, I'm actually giving God forbid my dream a chance, you know? Yeah. You know, when I, uh, just to kind of share that, uh, perspective and that sentiment, when I first, um, started spending time part-time in LA, cause I had sold a screenplay, mm-hmm. uh, that I'd co-written, uh, in like 1983, but right. I couldn't actually kind of get down to LA till around 87 or 88. Right. Uh, and I was spending two weeks a month in San Francisco and two weeks a month in LA. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was just what you said, very incredibly exhilarating. You're, I'm doing it. I'm doing yeah. it. This is really yeah. happening. Yeah. Well, it's almost going to happen. It's it, just I, about to happen. I might actually be in showbiz. And I used to sit at the improv in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Six out of seven nights a week, and I just didn't go for the seventh night just because I go. I don't want them to think I'm some kind of pathetic loser. <laughs> and do you remember Antonio the bus man? I don't even want to call him a bus boy. He was this uh, yeah, Hispanic older, guy, older guy. He'd been there for years, and he yes. kept me alive. He would like give me free bread and coffee all night long oh, for like a one dollar oh, tip. Oh, what a sweet guy! And so I had my table there, and people, all the comics I knew, would stop by, and they'd, you know, they'd move in and out and sit down and stuff, and just like, uh, I felt like I had a home there. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that that was my central hang for a chunk as well, and and it's strange because I, you know, I know now after being, in, I mean, I've been in LA now twenty years, and um, when I flash back on that, it's like I don't get to, I get to the improv if someone. You know, if I get booked there, you know, uh, it's been a long time with like where I used to just hang out there. But when yeah. I first came out here, I went to every club, you know, I, I portray, I did the laugh factory. I sure. managed, I managed to do it without waiting in a line. How'd you do that? Uh, somebody, you know, one of those things where people in that had seen me do improv in Austin, a good number of them lived out here. So somebody said, so you should check this guy out. So I got like a 10-minute showcase or something. I used to do uh, do the uh, <laughs> Laugh Factory. Before they remodeled, they, there was an old Chinese restaurant that was out of business next to them. They took over, and they remodeled and made the place bigger. They were right. a much tinier club. And wow. I don't even know if you were out here when, they, when, uh, when that was then, but the back of the stage had a door in it that went right into the alley behind the club. <laughs> and I used no. to do, I used to do improv, two man improv with Steve Smith. And we frequently we would end our show with some sort of bit that would you know, say, Hey, we'll be right back. And we'd go out that door and just never come back. We just get in the car and drive That's beautiful. away. Beautiful. <laughs> that sounds like some really funny skit from a British comedy. We're in our cars in the drive-thru. So, when did you feel like you were finally beginning to uh, kind of latch on to some sense of regularity in LA, or did you ever? I mean, some people just kind of float for a long time. But was there a, tra- a time when you suddenly went, "Okay, here's my home club. Here's where I belong." Well, I think that that uh, that came uh, probably eight months to ten months into my stay here. I, I had a lot of friends again that were comics, but then I find like, oh, this one's a writer, or his wife's a writer, and and suddenly I was hanging out with these, you know, like one of the people created Dharma and Greg later, and uh, the other wrote for Disney, and then they were like, we're all let's do an improv group, let's do a show, and one of them had a connection to the Ice House Annex. Oh, okay. You know, and and um, so again, it's funny because the improv 
uh, kept repeating. You know, I did it in Austin, and it got me a spot in, a, in one place that became a home. And then the Ice House Annex became a home for at least a year, mm. if not more. Um, and, I mean, but it was still like, it's still like this fluttering feeling in your stomach. Like, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, but I, I, it's funny. I, I guess I feel more, more so than not. Uh, I feel now like I'm part of the comedy community more than, you know, like, like, you know, I, I did, I ended up getting on this tour with, you know, just a tour around Los Angeles, uh, uh, California or Santa Barbara and, and Mark's place, you know, uh, yeah. Throckmorton. And it's like with Lorraine Newman and, and Rick Overton and who I met back in the eighties and yeah. at the, doing improv with us at, you know, for the one drunk after his own show. That's right. But, you know, and they're like, oh, you've been on the road and come join us. And John uh, Fugelsang invited me to perform and said, I love your tweets. They're very smart. And it's like, what? <laughs> you, what? You're funny, man. And then I'm so, so I feel kind of like, oh, okay. Now, I mean, because you don't know when you're subjective and living in this body doing your thing. And then someone outside that you respect or think, oh, that guy is fucking brilliant. And, you know, um, suddenly you're welcome to that. You know, I felt like I had to set the bar higher a little bit. But, yeah. but, but to them, my bar was set high enough. It's just make sure there's new stuff every time. That was what I had to do. When I perform with them, yeah, you know, as much as possible, make sure it's not the pandering to the audience stuff you do on the road every so often. That's right. Or, and you've you been know. involved in a lot of different projects. I mean, I just the the ones that I'm sort of, you know, bear, kind of aware of. There was, uh, uh, you know, our buddy Matt Weinhold. You and he were working on like a stage show for a while. Yeah, uh, and we we I don't know if we wrote ourselves out of you know, and I give Matt uh, rightly so the credit for ninety. Seven percent of that show, he, <laughs> he brought me in, and he's very—he's a great, great writer. You know, Matt. I mean, he yeah. writes while he's on his feet, just having a steak, and yeah. um, uh, and they're odd, left field, brilliant, sci-fi nerd, intellectual, political, funny, smart yeah. guy stuff. So um, I was—you know—he brought me in, and I did a little ghost writing for him, um, and. and uh, I was slowly learning how to write. You know, he'd coax it. He had to coax it out of me. Write a list, man. Let's like you want to do a, a bit. We're gonna do a bit on this. Write a list. And I saw the work working side of being a writer, and I'm real honored that he you know took me in on that. But yeah, we wrote a stage show that was like it was called Chad and Brad's Glad Pad, <laughs> and it was a couple of ridiculous guys who kind of dressed like. Liberace or Elvis <laughs> and they dress like they were twins and you know Matt Matt has darkish black hair and I have like you know uh, brownish blonde hair and so it's like hey we're, I'm Italian he's German what you know and the show was uh, full of puppets and dark unusual stuff and references to Godzilla and and H.R. Uh, Puff and stuff and I mean, I think it would be great if we could produce it. We did, uh, like, a bad cartoon. Uh, that I, I don't even want to say much about it because, I mean, I, Paul Provenza I, is someone that I hooked up with eventually and talked to about the stuff, and he loved the cartoon that, that uh -huh. we had come up with. And But his he's convinced that we need to go to Edinburgh. Okay, for the you French know, Festival? Well, yeah, and uh, put it up. And, and that I think would require like fifteen grand for each of us to, yeah. you know, or some 
an unusual number and he's got his writing life and and uh his his wife and and stuff that he does here in town and i'm on the road so it's funny how much has gotten set aside uh, from being on the road that ends up being like a like you said like you know oh it's we've been working on that for six years yeah but it's done and ready to ready to go if we had a director and a budget so maybe we should do a Kickstarter. Yeah, hello Kickstarter. <laughs> hello Kickstarter. <laughs> we we need a crew of puppeteers. Um, let's talk. Let's get back to Electric Bonoland because uh, earlier in this interview, you'd asked me if I'd seen the eighth one, and I finally have. Sometime <laughs> in the course of this interview, I've been able to watch it. Oh, good. Uh, and it was every bit as unusual as you'd promised. Thank you. Uh, you have a very strange guest in that episode. I don't want to yes. give it away, but uh, very unusual. Yes. And uh, I've noticed that uh, there don't seem to be any newer versions of uh, Electric Bono Land. So what's uh, what's the story? Um, I, uh, I I'll tell you. I think part of it um, between me and you and the internet, um, I think part of it is this thing that I go through that has uh, kept me in therapy for a while, which is, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing something. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Is this it? Is this it? Is it caught on? Is something happened? Did I have, is money? Is there money? Is there money? There's not money. Okay. There's money. I'm on the road. Yes. I am on the road. And, and like part of that's not even, uh, you know, um, uh, decided by me, uh, with exception of saying, yes, it's like the headliner. I, I, I run with Hal Sparks, of course, who we talked to earlier in, about in the interview that's right. a minute, minutes ago. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, you know, he'll call me and say, okay, I got a break and we're doing six weeks, you know, and so suddenly I'm on the road. Right. And I didn't want every one of them to be like, hey, I'm in another town and it's Electric Bottle and, uh, you know, uh, journal entry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what Philadelphia looks like, you know. <laughs> so uh, that combined with um, the uh, shifting my, my focus on another creative outlet like painting and and um, scrambling a little bit has put it a little behind. Also, I edited that. I wanted you to see number eight because this number seven and eight, I, I started editing the show myself and, um, so that there was no middleman and no right. one to fight for and uh, fight with ideas about. And I'm grateful for Mike Foster for the first seven episodes. I mean, he really helped put a cherry on a lot of those things. Um, but yeah, yeah, so um, I'm going to do another one. I, I have to do another one. Um, for myself, like in, within the next two weeks, and I've been thinking about it. And I've got some good ideas okay. coming up for it to make it a, a very unusual Christmas. Episode. Nice, nice. <laughs> but yeah, so you enjoyed it? Did, did I get a laugh or two out of you, other than it being unusual? Or yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's very inventive, and uh, it's uh, it's indicative of what I've kind of come to think of as your signature, which is you do these really strange flourishes on things. And then it's kind of like, you know, you do get, uh, I'll use the word distracted, but I think, I think you're right. It's just the sort of the, the hecticness of trying to keep money coming in. So you get off on another <laughs> yeah. tangent and it's like, wow, he left that thing here and maybe there'll be another <laughs> one and maybe there won't. So let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's look at this thing until the next thing happens. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think the last one, the, the in number eight, uh, received like 592 views. Uh-huh. Now, from what I've seen in some of the other uh, people that have shows online, some of them go to a million. That's true. Now, so consequently, uh, there are, what, 90, 95, uh, nine 
50, 99,500 people, 99,500 people, that this all this stuff would be fresh to. That's right. That's right. And they should go listen to it because, uh, you know, once you hit a million views, that's when you actually start getting money from YouTube. I heard that. I heard that. That's that sounds interesting. It sounds insane to me, but I know. But I mean, so so part of my you know part of my deal is networking and and also keeping the subconscious open to like, oh, well, this what would help here, you know? Um, so I've been milling around with some of the folks out here that are friends and new friends that are producers mm-hmm. or have have an in or have worked on um, you know television shows, variety shows. I wanted the show to have like a, a little bit of the monkeys. You know, a little bit yeah. of the monkeys in it. Um, I knew that for three and a half minutes, I did not want to do uh, smash cuts or quick edits of me just talking directly right. to you, unless I did it as a parody or really went off somewhere in a strange to a strange place. So I, I wanted them to, um, uh, with the exception of a couple of them that were very much a narrative, I really wanted to pack as much as possible in three and a half minutes. Right. So that and and. It's also that's also something I'd love to get across to people that are interested in it and can check it out so that they don't stop watching it. It's funny how three and a half minutes can seem like almost five and a half to people. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I get it. He's talking to somebody. No, we're going to break it up with the thing in a that's minute, right. you know. And the second Eisenhower pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, it's an ex- it's it is an experiment, and it's something that I mean. When I was doing it, Mark, I just you know, it, there's one uh, in one of the episodes I, I was uh, called uh, fried, which I was after doing it like week to week. You know, just three episodes. I'm like, oh, we're exhausted. What can we do now? That's still weird. And uh, the the cinematographer had an idea to make it kind of a dark internal thing to where you don't know who's talking, who I'm talking to. That's why I'm in a field like. Is he doing it? Is he talking to himself? What the hell is it? Uh, but like at one point, it's just like I was like, this, this show has been, it's taken over my life. It's all I want to do to make you people happy. But it was really exciting to make this thing every week. But the people I care about didn't see me. Uh, I was going to sleep at 530 in the morning, three nights a week to work with the editor's schedule. And oh, okay. You know, so something had to change, and that change took, you know, three weeks for me as a, you know, learning final cut yeah. and, and then editing it. And so anyway, it's a work in progress, and uh, I, I want to I make it like pop. I want to make it pop. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, day in, day out, from what I understand with the way the web works, is it might not pop until, you know, your 70th episode. Who knows? You have to just keep doing them. That's the thing is the the consistency. Uh, I mean, I have that that trouble with Succotash in that, you know, I'd love it to be weekly, but just the press of real business that brings in real money, yeah, yeah, <laughs> keeps you from sitting here and cutting pieces of you know other people's podcasts together and interviews and things <laughs> like that. And it's like, oh my god! And I, I do you do you find that you still have like you know uh, uh, ideals like ten, uh, ideas like tangential ideas like oh I can take this and turn that into blah blah blah. I mean this. This just the creative process turns it for me to like oh what kind of you know uh, antecedent or what is it uh, like 
an, an what little adjacent piece can yeah. I make? Well, the good thing about Succotash is it's you know it's a it's pretty much a set format. I, I have interviews, uh, or I or I can do a whole show of just clips. But between those two things, there's not a whole lot more to do other than you know I do a few things in in the show. We have you know our commercial sponsor. I write those spots, and occasionally if we're in the studio, I have uh, like our boozing with Bill segment where our uh, announcer uh, comes in and he's got a bar <laughs> in the studio and makes a, a new drink that nobody's ever heard of before. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but again, those things kind of fit within a format uh, that makes yeah. it easier. Uh, but still, it's just getting to it. It's just, you know, there's only so much time in the day. Uh, and, yeah. li- and I guess the, the longest uh, uh Part of Succotash is listening to all those podcasts and finding clips. And by the way, what a great service to speak for other people I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, just uh, someone listening to them and popping them in, you know, it's great. I, I was on uh, one with Darren Staley, who goes by, uh, let's see, Obama. Probama and Dylan Brody's neighbor's couch yes, or something, right? right? And, um, we all, you know, in fact, there'll be a clip of that on the show that I'm playing your interview on. I'm putting uh, one of Daly's, uh, Darren's things up there. Oh, very cool. He's a good guy and he's got great questions. Um, but we ended up on, on a website, like getting an honorable mention, you know, for my episode That's with great. him, which was like, <laughs> this is really cool. And Paul F. Tompkins was one of the other ones in, in the honorable mention area and Jen Kirkman. And it's like, okay, again, it's another little nod that says, all right, I'm on track. Yeah. Because, you know, for me, it is that feeling uh, like a video game that they used to have with the, the um, Don Bluth animated it with the guy with the yes. sword. And you Dra- had, Dragon. You know, um, he did uh, another one. Yeah. Drag, uh, what is it? What? Dragon Slayer. Nerd people. What is it? Come on. Dragon Slayer. Uh, Dragon's was Lair. It, was it? Was it? Dra- yeah, that? I actually, Dragon's I, Lair. That's right. That's right. I actually. That, it's actually an app you can now get on your on your iPhone, I believe. Hysterical. But yeah, I, I used to play that. Yeah. But anyway, your point yeah. about that was the point of, about that was the way that game worked is if you, you'd look for a flash of light, to, to so that's where you knew where to go, and it yeah. was fast. And you had to jump. Yeah. And so, for me, you know, I I, I don't. I hope I don't have like such a foggy, cloudy view of the path to take. But for me, it is looking for little flashes of light that say, "Go, keep going in this direction. Jump, you know, jump to that one," which has given me a very, very interesting and exciting uh, resume of all kinds of <laughs> diverse things. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I did Foley on the Flintstones movie. Really? You know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? <laughs> so. Yeah, but yeah, I feel good. I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm, it's taken 20 years for me to, even with the, the flow of money being really crazy, because as soon as I get it, I pretend I make 30 grand a year. Like, I'm, the, I'm buying a jacket. What? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, I am not going to go with two layers of shirts out and Christmas, for Christmas. I'm going to be like the rest, real people and wear clothes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and then uh, there's no money, but like, I feel okay. I really feel okay because there's. I'm excited about the, the electric Bono land and and the stand up and really like this is the business. It's ups and downs and I love the people I hang out with because man, do we have shared experiences and shared you know uh, paths and and mistakes and all of that. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So what uh, what do you think 2013 uh, will ha- have in store for Chris Bono? 
I think there's going to be more writing for me this coming year. Um, there's definitely going to be more. I think there's going to be end up being a CD of songs, um, some comic songs, but some just, again, like the show, uh, a little off to the left, like what's that? But nicely done. I've been, you know, collaborating with uh, people I like. Jimmy Lee Wirt is this guy I've been working with mm. who can write a pop song in his sleep. Uh. He helped with me with my website, and he was playing some music, and I said, what's this? And he goes, that's me. I'm like, what? You're <laughs> fucking kidding, man. I listened to that shit in college. That's the stuff I like. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he had like 50 tunes or whatever. Wow. So I'm writing with him, you know? Cool. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. A little more exposure maybe if I can get Electric Bono line, Land right. Maybe I just need to change it to what? What? <laughs> Mark. <laughs> you know, huh? Uh, do you have any uh, sample songs that I can uh, pop in this episode if uh, you can send me yeah, a, yeah. a recording I'll or something? I'll send you some links. Uh, one of them is called Late, also called um, uh, Bad with Time Management. That <laughs> it, it turned into me doing a combination of Davy Jones uh, for the lead and Davy Jones, uh, a.k.a. David Bowie. Ah. For the for the chorus, nice. Okay, <laughs> so two Davy Jones in one song, um, and um, another one called uh, "Man in a Robe," which is my anti-political song. Okay, yeah, it's uh, about you know, hey, I don't really need the world right now. I got no time for the world. I got stuff to do, like relax. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and of course, antithetically, it's like the most frenetic of the two songs. Right. So well, very little relaxing in it. Shower. The man in the robe feels good in his skin. The man in the robe has a girl living downtown. It's time for the man in the robe's day to begin. The man in the robe has a comfortable lifestyle. He doesn't have to think about the Afghanistan war. He hasn't Twitter or emailed or Facebook. He's in his world and never opens a door. The robe wearing man has dinner at seven. The man clothing robe between books all the time. Netflix the word has not entered his trance He'd rather go shoeless and watch runs on his mind The man in the robe is one who lives amongst us You may never see him but he's right on the ball He wears a big helmet and dances in circles The man in the robe's got it over us all The man in the robe is the man that's inside us The man in the robe is the woman in you The man in the robe wants to live like a champion He's done with the world but can do what he wants to The man in the robe Terrific. Uh, I yeah, I appreciate your interest, dude, and we'll get you doing something with this show once I get it a little more regular. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, Chris, for uh, participating in a two-month, two-part interview. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we traveled to the Arctic, and we've, you know, just you've interviewed me at every plateau. Where and, are you now? Uh, we will catch back up with you in 2013, and uh, the next time you get uh, Electric Bonneland back up on its feet, we will feature it on Succotash. You're a good man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Have a, yourselves a happy holiday.
Okay, you too. All right, Chris, see ya. Thank you, Chris Bono. You can get to the latest Electric Bonoland at hirsch.co slash bonoland8. And there's a whole lot more at chrisbono.com. He's also on Twitter at Bonoman, B-O-N-N-O-M-A-N. Links to all that up on succotashshow.com. Let's get to our Bursto Durst final blast of the show. And uh, he steps away from politics a little bit, although it gets mentioned in here, with his 10 top comedy news stories of 2012. Hit it, Will. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with your top 10 comedic news stories of 2012 which are not under any circumstances to be confused with the top 10 legitimate news stories of 2012. No, 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 make no mistake. They are as different as polka dot cummerbunds and liar's dice, duck liver and Spanish moss, pearl necklaces and motorcycle handlebars. So here they are, the major stories of the past year that provided the best opportunities for mocking and scoffing and taunting. Number 10, Donald Trump. Assumes leadership of the birther movement, then won't shut up all year. The man has all the grace and elegance of tumbling dumpsters. Number nine, the first presidential debate. 70 million Americans tune in, but for some reason, President Obama is not one of them. Number eight, the GOP primaries. The party plays candidate whack-a-mole. Everybody leads Romney in the polls at one time or another, including candidates who aren't running. Number seven, the London Olympics. Anne Romney's horse, Rafalka, competes in dressage, but fails to medal, probably gets shipped home strapped to the fuselage of a 747. Michaela Maroney is not impressed. Number six, the vice presidential debate. Joe Biden goes all malarkey on us. Two words, dude, decaf. Number five. Barack Obama supports gay marriage, comes out of his own personal policy closet. Number four, Mitt Romney promises to fire Big Bird, thereby losing the pivotal pre-adolescent vote. Number three, the Democratic National Convention, specifically Bill Clinton laying out the exact reasons why America should re-elect his president, Bill Clinton. Number two, the Republican National Convention, specifically Clint Eastwood upstaging the nominee's acceptance speech by getting into an argument with an empty chair and losing. And the number one comedic news story of 2012 was Mitt Romney running the worst campaign ever. And that includes New Coke in France in 39. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. There's a little burst of Durst for your stocking. Thank you, Will Durst, and happy holidays. Almost had Will in the studio uh, live for this episode. I know I've said that before, but one of these days we will... We'll have him in here. Uh, in the meantime, get more of him at willdurst.com and also uh, see him on Twitter at willdurst. That's uh, it for Epi 43. Yeah, it's a wrap. Glad you can make it. Don't get too crazy out there as the holiday rush cranks up. Download yourself a podcaster three uh, or five or eight. Uh, relax. Remember to rate and review your favorite podcast so that they benefit by getting better visibility. Hey, and if Succotash happens to be one of those you review, I will regard it as a very Merry Christmas indeed. Now you get out of here and pass that Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here.
Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash.